Episode number 63 of The Metrospective. Pete McCarthy, Tim Britton. We've named this one for Ron Hunt as we begin the, uh, I suppose, the the quarantine experience here in New York City uh, with the coronavirus. And you're going through it. You know all about it in a moment. I almost say that because these are the type of episodes I might want to go back and listen to one day. Uh, but uh, Tim Britton is with us, and we'll talk some Mets here and, and what is going on. But but first, Tim, I mean, just personally, uh, being uh, at home in Queens, what uh, what have you been up to these first couple of days of sit at home, chill out, and wait for all this to, to hopefully move on, play itself out? You know, I've tried to come up with, like, good story ideas for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's kind of similar to the beginning of the off season when you're just trying to think of uh, maybe not the beginning of the off season. You got kind of more of a sense of things, but in the middle of the off season, like, okay, what are three interesting things I could write about this week? Uh, haven't quite gotten there. So anyone who wants to chime in can help out because this is, you know, the weird thing is you're planning for like an indefinite period of time at this point. Uh, and then just trying to, to go out and like have a walk once a day to just go outside the weather's been really nice so uh and trying to avoid uh, all other human contact uh um, yes you know my that that's you know my, my fiance now works from home every day uh and that's we're, we're getting used to seeing each other all the time um but mm. we're still in the the good period of that uh which hopefully lasts um in perpetuity you know till death do us part Sure. Well, nine months from now, there will be a lot of babies and uh, a lot of divorces. <laughs> and uh, you guys, you get the trial by fire, I suppose, here before you, you really make sure whether you want to go through it. And luckily, you're not one of these people who unfortunately had a wedding scheduled and, you know, have to have to nix it and, and lose deposits. And boy, you, you feel for uh, what a lot of people are going through here, and I think everyone kind of has their own sacrifice, whether it be uh, job-related, a wedding, a family event, um, sickness, I mean, you name it, as uh, we are just in the, the early stages of all of this. And for Mets fans, uh, they've lost a baseball season, at least for now, and it seems what has been striking is every day it feels like a month in terms of the news that comes out and the changes to our daily lives. And since we're doing a, a Mets podcast here, I would say last time we spoke, we at least considered the fact that it could be two weeks and then baseball season starts in mid-April. And then on Sunday, the CDC recommending no events of more than 50 people for the next two months, which would take us towards Memorial Day. And... President Trump speaking on Monday saying that it might take until July or August for all of this to to play out. So now you think about this baseball season and you consider the nature of baseball versus other sports where you have to get the pitchers all geared up. I mean, I, I would think it's reasonable to say that the entirety of the season would be in danger now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been remarkable how uh, how quickly that potential opening day has been moved back. You know, even last time we talked, April 9th seemed really optimistic. But if you had asked me what I what what day I would set as like the over under, I would have said something like May 9th. You know, a month after that. Uh, and now I'm thinking uh, like that the All Star break, just playing the second half of the season, might be the most plausible option. Uh, 
in, that you have, you know, maybe sometime in, in mid to late June, because you go by the, the CDC suggestion, that's two months. Uh, you got to figure pitchers are, uh, and players are going to need probably, I think, two to three weeks minimum on top of that. Uh, that takes you into June. That's that's all a best case scenario. I think we're probably going to lag behind that a little bit. So, you know, it's players are going home now that even the the informal workouts are, are kind of breaking up i know the mets still had uh, some pitchers at, uh, at the field today on monday but i think over the, the course of the next couple uh days you know by the time we do this podcast again later in the week the situation will have changed again uh in terms of who's actually in florida uh at a, at a team facility uh and then that's just you know with, with people dispersing like this it's just going to push baseball further and further back into the calendar and then you had the development with the Yankees as well, where a minor leaguer tested positive for coronavirus. So now their minor league camp, those players are quarantined in a hotel for two weeks in Tampa, and they're, they're having food brought to their rooms. And you think about you know, minor league players. These are guys that are like, what, 17 up to you know, 24, 25 years old. And you know, some of these guys are from foreign countries. They're not allowed their, uh, They're not near their families. They're locked in a hotel room. I mean... It's um, it's a situation that thankfully hasn't popped up yet for other major league organizations. But I mean, I think for any baseball player, it, it hits a little closer to home when a member of your fraternity ends up being sick. Yeah, and it, you know, you the Yankees are are confident that uh, that we don't know who the player is, did not have contact with the major league clubhouse. But you think about just the the possibilities of of uh running into that person you know he, he could infect someone else in the minor league clubhouse uh then you've got just all, all the equipment that goes to the you know that plays uh, in a major league game during spring training there's a lot of cross-pollination there uh so it's you understand i think with each passing day and, and even each passing hour you understand more and more why it was necessary uh for different sports to take the action they did you know we're i think less than a week removed from from me personally thinking Man, the Ivy League seems like it's overreacting here in canceling its conference tour- conference basketball tournament, uh, and now I'm on the other end of the spectrum. No, you don't hear a lot of the uh, overreaction talk anymore. I-, I think that has that angle for many people has come and gone uh, with all of the precautions that uh, the government, both locally and now nationally, is taking here uh, to try to prevent a you know, truly tragic uh, situation in spring ahead of us. So we think about how maybe this season plays out, right? If we're going to say that it's not going to start until, let's say, August, what might be some creative ways to to put together a season and have a World Series champion? Like, could you, could you just do a, a full tournament kind of playoff or some kind of express regular season which would be kind of tricky it's not as if you could really cram more baseball games into less time it's already a pretty compact schedule and I know I'm just kind of throwing this at you right now Tim but what might be like a fun idea if you're going to you know have a season in a very short period of time which is what we might very well be looking at and, and hopefully uh, you know get some kind of season in here and something to look forward to for everybody yeah, I mean, you look at Major League history, I think the fewest games played in any single season was 1981, the split season that had the strike right in the middle of it. And they played, uh, I think, depending on which team you were, you played 103 to 111 games. 
uh, I think the odds are at this point that that teams this year will play fewer games than that. Uh, that year, they they amended the playoff system. You had the first champions of the first half and the second half. Uh, so you had I, th- I think it was the maybe it was the Reds who had like the best record in the National League but didn't go to the playoffs. You had the Royals, a team that finished below 500 overall, go to the playoffs. You had some weird things happen because of that. I think you know I was thinking earlier if. If you're playing just the second half of the season, you said August 1st or something. The Mets have 66 games after the All-Star break. Uh, maybe that kind of sprint finish to the, the season, would you have to necessarily rework the schedule at that point uh, to try to get kind of more, I guess, fewer interleague games, kind of some hmm. semblance of, of scheduling balance? But that's where you run into issues where you've got 15 teams in each league. I, I thought to myself, like, huh, could... Because you just have teams play in their own division. But again, you've got an odd number of teams in your own division. Uh, you can't just schedule it that way. Uh, but I do think, uh, it, you know, if this does spread, if this does extend, I should say, beyond maybe mid-June. And e- even at this point, you know, whatever we're talking about, I think there could be, a, there's likely to be a change to the playoff system. Maybe incorporating an additional team or two in every league uh, to, to try to make it, uh, more equitable with a shorter regular season. I, I don't know what the best way to go about it is, uh, although you have given me a story idea to think about. There you go. See, that's what I'm here for. But it's uh, it's interesting to, to think about it at the very least. And boy, I mean, we know all of us or uh, so many of us have nothing but time uh, to think about things now. And, and that will be, you know, one of those things that maybe they find a way to make it a little more exciting as we know the season can drag at 162 games. It's part of what makes baseball beautiful. And also it's part of what makes baseball uh, this long slog that it feels like it takes forever to get uh, truly exciting. If you're a casual fan, just kind of want to pop in for a big game here or there. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, that'll be interesting to see exactly how it might play out. And obviously, you know, there's going to be some kind of a, a spring training that'll be necessary for uh, these pitchers to get into game shape. It's, um, you know, it's a lot. And I was just thinking, like, it, it's tricky because I'm used to, and I'm sure you're the same way, I'm used to having some kind of sporting event to look forward to at all times. Even in February when there's not a lot going on. At least it's like, all right, count the days to March Madness, and once you have the NCAA tournament, then it's on like Donkey Kong, and you got opening day before you know it, and boom, you're rolling into all the spring sports. And I think for big-time sports fans, it's going to be odd with this calendar where there might not be a difference between Sunday and Monday for those of us that have non-essential jobs and aren't going out and doing the important work that has to be done and every day just kind of be the same. And then, you know, what's the community event? What is something that's going to be there to to look forward to? And obviously, I don't see how baseball can provide any of that. Yeah, you realize how much sports is kind of a foregrounding thing in your life that you kind of base the days off of it. And, you know, to, to me, I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around that March Madness isn't happening. I was watching uh, some of the better games uh, of the college basketball season on ESPN last night. Uh just remembering like oh it would have been really nice to see like Kansas and Dayton play again I was kind of hoping or Duke for Hofstra that. Uh, or, or Duke Hofstra in the first round that would have been terrifying um, <laughs> <laughs> so like th- that's still hard to wrap my head around and then you know just that that especially once the baseball season starts that it's there every day and like you know you can 
depending on the level of your fandom, I'm always impressed. Uh, you know, as a when I was a fan growing up, you know, I I watched or listened to most games, but not every game. And there, I, mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people uh, who it is it is 162 games. You are there for every inning of every game, uh, and that's just such a huge amount of of time that you you're not devoting to something right now. And then you mentioned kind of the the thing you can kind of do communally, you know, as as people don't watch the same television shows or listen to the same music or, or go to movie theaters and stuff, uh, sports is still the one thing that kind of everyone coheres around at a given time, whether it's yeah, every night, the it's game a sporting itself, sporting event that's trending on Twitter every night. Yeah. Or at the game itself or on Twitter or at a bar or something like that. Uh, and now you don't have that. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of, you know, you're not going to like, you, you can kind of fill the void yourself by saying, okay, maybe I'll watch, uh, you know, the 1999 NLCS or something, uh, games four and five only, um, to kind of fill the void. But you're not going to like get a bunch of people who you don't really know and say, hey, everyone, let's watch game four of the 99 NLCS tonight at this time. Uh, that's a well, little maybe harder that's the to kind organize. Of thing we should do. You know, is, is uh, if, if SNY is playing the right game on a given night or... You know, if some of this stuff is available on the internet, on YouTube, uh, and just kind of have some scheduled watch parties or something, because, you know, like I say, even just going through a regular day, like how often are you, all right, get to seven o'clock, and then there's a big hockey game I want to watch, or there's a big Mets game, or whatever it might be, and that's kind of your, okay, look, get to seven, do what I got to do during the day, and that's something that you'll look forward to throughout it. And now, you know, you're going to have so many people now with nothing but time and no event or moment, even personal things are being canceled, birthday parties, weddings, as we talked about. So uh, I, I feel like mentally it's going to get tricky. Like I've never been in jail or solitary or something like that, but I got to think at a certain point, you know, this isn't going to feel all that different unless there are some things that you can, you know, uh, ground yourself into, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, I, I, to Monday I was supposed to fly back down to Port St. Lucie uh, for the last week of spring training. Uh, and, you know, I realized this morning kind of like, Oh, like I have, a whole week here of of time to fill you know besides writing and, and recording this and, and doing some research at home uh but like so much of what you want to do are things you can't do it's like oh i'd like to just go out to the bar and grab grab a burger for lunch or something can't do that gotta make myself a sandwich or, or something like that uh it is gym now it is right well that was never really a concern for me i feel i feel <laughs> retroactively justified in not buying the gym membership that i've contemplated <laughs> off and on for 18 months now it is half a block away from my apartment um but you can't do that either uh i've con- i contemplated running uh the other day i thought about it but that was my exercise for the day uh you know and like you can i, I like just reading thinking about the running was your exercise <laughs> i just want to clarify <laughs> Think- that thinking about the run and maybe like standing up and doing some loose stretching okay. um, you visualize I, <laughs> I like to read a lot uh which i do a lot in the off season and it slows down during the season uh so i'm you know i'm looking forward to doing that but that's also like not something you can do communally or with anyone else you can try to do book clubs i've never been good at book clubs um and but that's again it, it 
it only takes up so much time. You can only do so much of it before you get tired and you want to turn on a screen. Uh, so uh, it is, you know, I don't really know what to do my, with myself. I don't, I don't know that you know what to do with yourself at this point uh, either. Well, I'm chasing around a one-year-old, so that that helps. <laughs> I tell you, I'm so lucky. And she's the perfect age. She turns one, I guess, next week now. And uh, she doesn't have any idea what's going on. She just knows that she's not going to daycare if she even registers that. Is getting a lot of time with uh, mommy and daddy at home. And it, it's good to, to have something to do and not just be on my phone reading the next doomsday scenario here. And to, you know, keep her busy, play with her, and chase her up and down the hallway. And she's not old enough that she really needs, like, a playground. She's not walking yet. Uh, so that's that's been nice. But... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like I would become a video game addict or, uh, you know, alcoholic or something. I mean, what are you going to do? We, I, and this is, you know, again, it's unprecedented and there's no, you know, I keep seeing a lot of thoughts on Twitter like, oh, if you're working from home, here's a way to get into some healthy habits. But if you're, if you're not working and, um, you know, your employment has changed. And, you know, for us, you know, again, sports is something that our our life revolves around in so many different ways and for so many fans out there it is kind of a, a great unknown ahead i mean there's only so many episodes of breaking bad i can watch or so many times i can watch them yeah for me it was two and then i was like nah not for me oh really oh you have to correct yeah, that I, tim you know it's i i had you get into the kind of and the anti-hero mode with television and i had just seen too many shows like that in a row so i was like you know what i already dislike walt i don't feel like making the seven-year trek oh no okay see i liked walt right away so i guess uh, I'm, I'm more of an anti-hero than our, our friend tim Britton here um <laughs> all right so look we're gonna be coming up with some ideas mostly tim on you know, how to keep this relevant uh, with the mets you know what players are up to in these situations uh, you know this unprecedented time for for baseball for our country uh, maybe not the globe unprecedented but certainly I think in you know uh, most people's lifetimes here so uh, you know we'll try to keep it light for the most part a little bit of what's going on in our life as we all go through this together and you know obviously uh, hoping the best to, to everybody out there. Um, we do have one Mets-related segment that we can pop into the show here. So when the Mets do eventually come back, who are some of the young players? Eh, maybe not young. Who are some of the minor league players that are not on the 40-man roster who could make an impact for this Mets team? And Tim and I bounced around this idea for a little while. So what do you say we put together this draft of uh, players, again, not on the 40-man roster who will get an opportunity to put on a Mets uniform at some point this year. We, we should clarify, not on the 26-man roster, right? We, we, can, we can bring up guys who are on the 40, right? Okay, 26-man. My bad. See, I already ruined our, our, <laughs> our presumed 26-man, which at this point, uh, I mean, I don't even know who the 26th man was going to be at the start of the season. Uh, if you want to, if you want to name it, someone I don't know. It was Cespedes. probably going to be Eduardo uh, Cespedes. Okay, you can go with Cespedes. We'll, we'll leave it with that. Okay. All right. So and everyone you else start off. Everyone else, everyone else is fair game because we've already done this draft once under wildly different <laughs> circumstances, uh, and it got ugly fast. Mm, yeah, we might have done this uh, a week and a half ago, and then Michael Conforto 
injured himself that night. So that was the podcast that never aired. And that seemed like a big deal at the time. And uh, little did we know. So uh, (laughs) you got the first pick, Tim. Who do you want? Yeah, I think Conforto's got a good chance to be back for opening day. Uh, So, uh, you know, when when you think about who, like, what needs are going to open on a major league roster over the course of a season, uh, the bullpen always won, especially for this team. So someone who is almost certain to be on the major league roster at some point this season is Paul Seawald. Sexy first pick, I'm sure that everyone wants to hear about that. But yeah, I think we'll see Seawald up again at some point in 2020. They don't have to be good. They just have to be on the roster. And Paul Sewell, very nice man, very nice guy. But, um, you know, it's been a little while since we've seen him be uh, truly effective. So, all right, so you could have Seawald off the bat. I'll take more of an upside guy, Tyler Bashler. I, I know he gave up. I think it was like six homers in one of the spring training games. So be it. Uh, move on. I, I think we'll see Bashler at some point here for the Mets. And I agree with your reasoning. The bullpen always uh, a good way to go. We're snake drafting this thing. So I'm getting another pick here. And... The other position that you always see somebody coming up, behind the plate, the catcher, Rene Rivera will once again sport a Mets uniform in 2020. Ooh, yeah, that's... <laughs> we're really getting the fan base excited with these picks. Uh, I'll go uh, I'll go with the guy who, I think, if the season were actually starting 10 days from now, uh, would have been the 26th man in Eduardo Nunez, who also gave me, I think, my favorite quote of spring training, uh last week when I he, I was asking him about kind of how his knee is in a better place now than it was really the last two years and with the Red Sox when he, he wasn't playing very well uh, and he said yeah man sometimes last year in Boston I'd look at the lineup see my name in it and think oh my god fuck <laughs> it, it hurts a lot <laughs> so that is my favorite quote of spring training uh, and will remain so it appears uh, long into the future I wish I knew that was his thought process when I was putting my fantasy lineup out. Uh, his thought was, <laughs> God damn it, I'm in the lineup again. This is a bad situation. There are certain times when you don't want to have to go to the doctor's office to get help for a medical condition. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment as soon as possible. So that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you could cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And we thank you for supporting our sponsors. Uh, all right, so who's your next pick, Tim? Oh, that's right. We're snaking. Uh, so uh, someone who I think had an interesting spring training because uh, the rules that would that are in place for 2020 affect him probably more than anyone else on the roster. Uh, Daniel Zamora uh, pitched decently to right-handed hitters. Actually has like reverse platoon splits over the course of his major league career, the brief major league career. Um, even though they've used him primarily as a lefty specialist. So uh, I think he'll get a shot to uh, adjust to the new rules at some point this year. 
And I think we'll see David Peterson. He'll be my next pick. Uh, former first-round pick of the Mets. Showed some good velocity in spring training. The Mets seem to be impressed with him. I understand they have a lot of depth in the rotation, but... Uh, sometimes things happen as far as uh, depth goes with starting pitching. So at some point, David Peterson makes an appearance uh, on this uh, this Mets roster. And then another guy who impressed me in the spring, even though his prospect star has fallen, is Andres Jimenez. Showed a little pop. Uh, you know, the Mets are very deep in the middle infield, but they have a lot of players that can play different positions. If something were to happen to Ahmed Rosario, they don't have a backup shortstop really on the major league roster so I, I think at some point even if it's just a call up in September if uh, we're, we're playing by the old rules here Andres Jimenez is sporting a Mets uniform yeah I, I think both of those guys are guys who are likelier to be called up now than they were when we initially did this draft uh, I think P Peterson is a guy who's not on the 40-man roster and the Mets have some starters ahead of him on the 40-man like like Walker Lockett and, and Corey Oswalt and Steven Gonsalves but I, I think if we're we're talking about a condensed schedule happening in August and September where, you know, maybe fewer off days. The idea of going to a six-man rotation or at least having an extra extra length in your bullpen is probably more appealing to teams than it would be otherwise. And Peterson gives you uh, gives you some of that with maybe higher upside than those those other guys mm -hmm. who are on the 40. And then with Jimenez, you know, the main reason not to to call Jimenez up is this idea of, of kind of a lost developmental season. You know, he, he, he could have been called up based off the spring he had you know he could have been your your opening day utility man because he was playing better than guys like Luis Guillorme but you know you don't want him to miss the everyday playing time he'd get in double or triple a well if if we're not starting until July or August there's not a whole lot of you know he's already missing most of that time anyway why not get him up to the majors and see what he can do so I, I like both those picks well, I'll I don't like with, you drooling uh, over my guys, to be honest here Tim you know I, <laughs> I felt confident in my picks I grabbed them before you did you missed out all right Get your eyes off them. I'm, Take care of your I'm own a guys. Little, I'm a little upset you didn't express as much enthusiasm for my pick of Daniel Zamora as I have for yours. Um, I feel I feel like now I've got to I've got to go with someone more interesting than my my who I was actually going to go with, who's Matt Adams. Uh, you know, who will hopefully be over the cardiology issues by whenever we play. Now he uh, missed that that week of spring training, which probably put him behind the eight ball on a normal schedule, but otherwise uh, on, on the current schedule we're operating on will be uh, obviously in line with everyone else when the season does start uh, and gives them, you know, a guy who could be a pinch hitter off the bench. Uh, you've got a 26 man for that. Uh, can, can back up Alonzo at first base, play corner outfield in an emergency. Uh, the, the Mets are, are no stranger to throwing someone in the corner outfield who who's a better offensive player than defensive player. So give him a shot. And then, you know, going on the theme of outfield depth, you know, Ryan Cordell looked capable of playing all three outfield spots in spring training. If the Mets had an injury to, say, Jake Marisnik, they'd want someone up who can play center field, and Cordell would probably be that guy. Yeah, I like Jared Parker. You know, I think he gets the, the opportunity in that role. So I'll make him the, the final pick, the Mr. Irrelevant of Mr. Irrelevance. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, over the course of 162 games uh, can certainly work their way in as we've seen and then we have this great unknown so again it's an idea we had a couple of weeks ago and why not we've got some time it's uh we can get into some deep thoughts deep roster and and there we go completing the uh the dorkiest thing that i've ever done tim Britton. <laughs> so it was dorkier this time than last time is what you're saying <laughs> 
Well, the fact we did it twice might make it even uh, worse. But we, yeah. to be honest, we, we mirrored the exact draft. So I, I appreciate our organization uh, with all of that. <laughs> uh, so there you go. So if you're dying for Mets baseball and you're dreaming of seeing Jarrett Parker up at the plate and Daniel Zamora throwing uh, left-handed sliders, you, you can you can imagine it to some degree. And then uh, once, hopefully, we have these games started, come summertime, I'll be winning this uh, friendly wager between Tim and I with this uh, minor league draft. Uh, all right, Tim Britton. Oh, ooh, we got next episode coming up, number 64. And again, uh, if you didn't see, there's a, med- uh, a message from the editor-in-chief of The Athletic. And the plan is to continue these podcasts, to continue stories on The Athletic. Uh, so be sure to check out you know, Tim's Twitter account for his latest stories or just directly go to the, the Mets tab at The Athletic. Um, I know... There are free stories. Uh, everyone gets to pick one story. Uh, so, Tim, did what was the story that you selected that's now outside the paywall? Yeah, so my, my favorite story was one I wrote in September of 2018 about Jacob deGrom. It started, the idea was, uh, you know, the, the Mets and Red Sox were lined up to play. It looked like deGrom would face off against Sale. That wasn't for sure, but then a, a rainout happened, and it was clearly going to be deGrom and Sale. So I wanted to write about the times they had faced each other in college. Uh, at the time when I started trying to write that, I I only knew of one time. Turns out they did face each other twice in college, uh, and the people that I called didn't really remember the game well. Uh, so uh, I, I audibled and made it more about uh, the scouting process that landed Degrom. Uh, so I talked to kind of the 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 scouts, the you know the first Met scout on him, this guy named Les Parker uh, in Florida, uh, the, the other scouts, the cross checkers, uh, Steve Barningham, Bumpy Nichols, different guys who. Who got different? Who got looks on Degrom and and persuaded uh, the higher ups with the Mets that this shortstop turned pitcher with a middling ERA uh, from Stetson University was worth drafting in the ninth round uh, and and kind of what he was able to turn into. So it was it was a cool story to me because those are guys that are overlooked in an organization. When you say why is an organization good or bad, usually not running down uh, those scouts' names. I'm sure. Les Parker and, and Steve Barningham are not household names to Mets fans, but they are a large part of the reason that Jacob deGrom is on the Mets. Uh, so it was nice to highlight uh, kind of what, what their contributions to the organization and in, in what you'd have to say is one of the scouting coups of the decade for any major league team in landing deGrom with the 272nd pick of that draft. That's true. That's a big one. The Mets, they've drafted far better over the last decade or so. Uh, so you know that has suddenly become a plus when the line from the fan base for so long is uh, we can't develop a hitter, can't develop a position player, and uh, they've certainly brought a few up that have had some success, whether it be Michael Conforto or Pete Alonzo or Jeff McNeil in recent years. Uh, so next episode, number 64, we don't really have an Alonzo, Conforto, or McNeil on this list of Mets that have worn number 64, and we've got pitcher Elmer Descends, Josh Stinson, Akil Morris, and Chris Flexen who I feel for because I feel like the Astros totally screwed him. He was one of those guys that got shelled in Houston when they're banging the trash can and didn't have a, a very long major league career after that. And then we also have the ability to go back to 1964, a team that won 53 games for the Mets. They still weren't very good, but that was a, a big improvement, as it turns out. But uh, what do you got, Tim? Yeah, so how can I not go with... So, you know, the inside podcast info is that Pete sends me an email beforehand with... with topics to discuss every once in a while i suggest something like hey let's draft minor league players who will get called up this year uh and then at the bottom he has the list of names we can go over uh, and your suggestion for the 64 team 
is Joe Christopher, who had a, a really nice year there, hit 300, OPS plus of 135, uh, well, much better than any other season he ever had in his career. But then your last note, according to the internet, it says he would entertain fans by wiggling his ears in left field. How can we not saw. pick Joe Christopher? <laughs> I saw not only Mets fans, but uh, I think he was with the Red Sox for a hot second afterwards, and they said uh, he would you know, wiggle his ears by the dugout. That was that wait, was wait his a- hidden talent. <laughs> That people remember all these years later. How could people see him wiggling his ears in left field at Fenway Park? I mean, it must have been dramatic, right? I mean, there must have been some Dumbo-sized ears or something (laughs) that he's moving around. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, seriously, he had some kind of talent, Joe Christopher. But yes, this one magical season in 1964, two years later, he's out of baseball after he had a 135 OPS plus, but... Uh, for one season, he was the man in uh, in 1964. So there you go. Joe Christopher gets his very own episode of the Metrospective, and that'll be coming your way on Friday morning. Uh, but Tim, and, and to all of our listeners, stay safe, stay healthy. We're all in this together, and I guess uh, the only thing we can do is, is wait this out and hope for the best, and obviously wash your hands, social distance, stay home as much as you possibly can, and uh, and do those things, and hopefully it'll help. Uh, keep this pandemic at maybe not at bay but at least minimize uh, the damage for everyone over these next few weeks but uh, Tim we'll talk soon adios